the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. I am your host, Nick Caligaramitros, and we are in season three, episode seven of the pod. We're super excited to have a good uh, new friend of mine, James, owner operator of Not Just Coffee and Night Swim. Uh, and so we're excited to kind of hear about his background, your story, your come up. And uh, I'm excited to hear it, you know, to, to yeah, be quite honest with you. I, I love James um, just getting into a little bit of the weeds of a business owner, an entrepreneur, how you started, the struggle victory, because, you know, I mean, any entrepreneur, any business owner, there's that dynamic of it. Absolutely. You know? And um, it's it's different for all of us, but I think we all go through it. I mean, I, I don't think there's an easy path for anybody. Um, if there is, you know, shout out to you. Sure. Yeah, no, I've, I haven't met him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't met him either. And so I, I, I love the, the story part. I love finding out more about your background, the business, how it started, the coffee industry, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I'd love to find out more about that. And um, we'll go from there. So, yeah. I appreciate you being on the on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And so let's let's start in the beginning. And so cool. let's go where you're from, how you grew up, yeah. you know, where your parents business owners, how you know, let's get a little context, mm-hmm. you know, for the audience. Sure. I was um, born in Salzburg, Austria, 1981. Uh, my parents were kind of wandering, traveling um, hippie musicians, and we spent a few years in Europe as a kid. Okay. And then they moved to Southeast Asia. So I grew up in Asia, okay. um, predominantly Japan. I lived there for 11 years. From um, what ages were you in Japan? I moved to, my parents moved to Japan when I was five years old, and um, we left right before I turned 16. Do you remember Austria? No. Okay. But, I, since, I've been back since, since then. I okay. don't remember it from, okay, from I, as a child. I, 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 I was curious. Yeah, But, no. but I mean, Japan, Japan is... Japan, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, my was, younger brother still lives there. He's, his wife is Japanese. Um, and I haven't been back since I was 18, but we planned to go in 2020. I had tickets for our, for our whole family, and then that got that got canned. Delayed. So yeah. okay. We'll, okay. We'll make it happen soon. I miss it. I miss the food. It's like some of my favorite food in the world. Let's talk about that. What's 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 Japan like? I mean, did you like it? Was it a little yeah, interesting I mean, it was, getting used to? It was to? home. So I didn't really. It's you know from from five years old um, till 16, we didn't leave. Um, we were there the entire time. Um, and I, cause I um, yeah, I had a brother that was born with a disability, so he couldn't travel. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what kept my parents there for that long. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was awesome. Moving back to the states was really strange because as like a you know fifteen, sixteen year old gangly white kid moving to Union County, it was like everyone expected like, all right, this guy is just you know. And I was like, and culturally, I couldn't understand a lot of stuff, and um, I couldn't get the southern accent for the life of me. It took time. So. It's so it's so funny you say. I mean, it's so funny this this is happening right now. Um, I was telling you this past week, and I was at, at a wedding. Yeah. You know, and I was talking with a couple of friends of mine there, and we had talked about traveling in Europe, and you know, they've been to Italy, and they've been to Barcelona, and you know, yeah. and obviously, you know, I this past summer I went to. Germany visit an uncle of mine and obviously nice. my, my family in Greece. And we talked about Japan hmm. and we talked about, I have, a, I have a client of mine who his wife is Japanese and he's Hispanic and just, you know, his son is teaching English there in Japan now right. and just the culture, the respect, the yeah. rules, just everything is just, it's very it's, different. It's than, polar opposite than the U.S. I mean, it's a very, it's, um, it's a, uh, it would be categorized more of as like a conformist society, I guess. People are very much about the group and what's better for the group society. Here we're all just about what's the Wild West, right? It's yeah. like, um, it's, it, I mean, so anyway, I, I just find that fascinating. We're, we're much more individualistic here. 
Yeah, even even. And you there's know, a pro and con to both those. I but. sure. Uh, you know, I I, I agree. And um, even I mean, I you know, I was I'm a soccer guy, and even the Japanese fans yeah. during the World Cup where they would clean up the stadiums, yep. and I'm just like, what a respectful yeah. people, man. It just it just it's it's just an interesting. I I love observing people. You know, um, groups, cultures. Yeah. It just so interesting. When my brother is. comes back to visit, he's like, I forget how he's you know used to a very polite, structured um, you know kind of uh, society. It's just totally different. So he's always shocked when he comes back. That's so interesting. <laughs> like, okay, okay, so eleven yeah. years in Japan, you got your. Yep, you, my parents got, moved back here, okay. and then um, when I was eighteen, I was just ready to go back abroad, and so I went back to Japan. Okay, um, for about three months, and. Continued traveling a bit. I moved down to Peru, South America for about a year. Um, had some friends at the time um, from Peru, from okay. Trujillo, Peru. So I went down, I tutored um, one of their young, younger sons, um, English, and I loved Peru. I mean, okay. man, that was also awesome. What's that like? Beautiful, it was fun. I was, a, I was 18, 18, 19, it was one big party. It was, it was nice. pretty cool. Okay. Beach parties, the food is incredible. Went up to Ecuador a couple times. Um, and then I came back to the States, met my, who's now my wife, Miracle, also my business partner. Okay. We ended up going to West Africa together, so we were in Ghana for six months, working with an orphanage there. Um, did, did a lot of nonprofit work as well. Um, moved to Europe, lived in Romania for about a year, Italy for about three years. Our youngest son was born in Italy. Okay. Um, and we try to travel as much as we can. I mean, it's, uh, it sounds it is, like it, it is our... It uh, sounds like it. I love it. It's our passion, and we both grew up. My wife was born and raised in Mexico. Okay. First 15 years of her life, so we're just, you know, we like we like to travel. We like other cultures. I think it's so important. Um, try to get our kids, you know, traveling as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, there's a cost to it, but I think having a worldview outside of your sort of myopic lens here in the States is so important. I agree. Because it's like, you can understand how other cultures work better, you can just, it just gives you a different perspective on people in general. I think it's, it's, it's much harder to other someone when you've traveled and seen things that are just like so different than how we have it here. So I love that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I think it would solve a lot of our problems. I mean, it's a privilege to be able to travel. I get that too, sure. but um, you know, don't have to go too far. Top three places you want to visit, bucket list? Any want to visit? Yeah. I really want to visit Iceland. I've okay. not been there. Okay. Um, gosh, I want to visit. Copenhagen. Okay. Um, I want to visit South Africa. Okay, nice. Yeah. Favorite place you've been to already? Budapest, Hungary was one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Wow. Loved it. That and Mexico City were probably the two, my two favorite cities I've ever why, been to. Why did, you like both of the, why did you like both of those? Budapest had just an awesome live music scene. Um, the, the architecture of the city is incredible. There's a river that runs down to it. It used to be two cities, Buda and Pest, split on either side. Okay. Um, there's these all these like river boats down the river with clubs, restaurants. Um, yeah, the infrastructure of the city is just gorgeous. And if you're into music, ton of live music, a lot of old Fender guitars. It's just a really interesting. Um, and I was there for a month with my brother. It was just a really great time. That's awesome. And then uh, Mexico City was just uh, also the same. My wife actually took me pretty recently in 2020 for my birthday. And same, architecture, food, culture, it blew me away. I could not believe like how much I love Mexico City. It's phenomenal. And it's so close. It's like love a it. three hour plane ride. Love and it. You're there. Love so. it. Okay. All right. So so did you guys did you guys know anybody here? How, how did you guys end up in Union County when you moved back? Um so my mom is from New York City originally, my dad's from Philly. Okay. Um her parents moved to Charlotte, I think in the sixties or seventies. Gotcha. Um, my grandfather was a professor at UNC Charlotte, um, professor of psychology. 
And so my mom grew up here. She was like one of the first New York Jews down here, and you know that was like she was a she was the odd duck out at East East Charlotte. I think she went to. Okay. Um, but you know now there's people from New York here everywhere. Yeah. At yeah. the time yeah. she was like it was unusual. <laughs> that would have been yeah, I guess the '60s, '70s, early '70s. Um, so yeah. So and then when my wife and I we were living in Italy. Okay. And we sort of unexpectedly, this was in 2009 when we moved back to Charlotte. Okay. And we moved here because there was just, you know, some connection. My parents were still outside of Charlotte. My uncle lives in Chapel Hill. Um, and we like, you know, we'd been, been to Charlotte before. We, okay. We liked it. What did you guys do for work the whole, like, while you were traveling? Like, you know, Teaching, Italy? teaching English. Okay. Um, you know, when we were working for nonprofits, we also, um, yeah, just... A lot of random stuff. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't coffee that no. you did? Okay, okay. No, but we definitely discovered sort of our love for coffee. I mean, I've always been, ever since I was a teenager, like, loved going to coffee shops. It was just, you know, it was like the, the Friends era 90s coffee shop yeah. vibe. Um, and I loved it, you know, going to open mic night, stuff like that. And, um, and, yeah, living in Italy, though, kind of gave me a whole new appreciation for how it integrates into their daily routine sure. everywhere. You, can, you can't throw a rock without hitting a, a I was going to say, bar, like... Right? Greece, Italy, like yep. it's it's like it's a pastime. Yep. It's a thing. I mean, you know, all my cousins, my family, every it's you know, everyone's going to a coffee shop. They're there for yep. a couple of hours. They're talking. They're you know, it's just until late at night. Well, specifically in Greece, I couldn't believe like one of the towns we were in. Um, gosh, I don't remember where it was, but we went to a coffee shop at like eleven o'clock at night, and the place was packed. Yeah, everyone's just drinking their coffees and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You are right. You are right. And it was great, though. Great energy. Everyone was so, like, social. Yes. Um, and same in Italy. Like, it's just, it's a very different, it's a, it's a different experience. Yeah. Love it. So, you move back. Yep, move and, back. And do you have an inspiration, Ted? I mean, how, how, what were the beginning, you know, did you want to bring some of that, you know, uh, experience, flavor of coffee here? Yeah. You know, yeah, how, how so, be, I mean, I hadn't worked in coffee before that, so I just saw... Um, how you know coffee was presented and served and like such a daily routine there and I was like I wonder if this would work in in Charlotte okay and we moved back it was kind of unexpected it was 2009 okay. it was almost impossible to get a job we were we had three little kids we were broke I mean we were like you know maybe had a grand in cash yeah and um, and it seemed like yeah it just seemed like either an opportunity a, a time to, to, to try it um, and we bootstrapped, we had a couple credit cards and, um, yeah, like 1500 bucks in cash. And that's what we started the business with a lot of goodwill from a lot of people. Um, we started a place called area 15 off 15th street and North Davidson. Okay. Um, our space that we opened in at first is now bird pizzeria, which I think is possibly the best pizza in Charlotte. So if okay. you haven't been there, you gotta, you gotta check it out. Shout out to bird yeah, pizza. Bird okay. pizza. Awesome couple that run it. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. But we bootstrapped a little location there. Okay. Um, and I learned. What was that like? Like, like getting the business started, boost. I mean, because you're going from, you know, just thought, yep. idea, do you think this will work? A little doubt, a little fear. Absolutely. Not, 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 not being fully capitalized. Because, I mean, I would have to think, James, there's people that are right now listening that are like that. They mm -hmm. have an idea. Maybe they're comfortable in their job. Maybe they're not. Yep. Maybe they've just, they have some kind of inkling of just, you know, I would love to fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, how, what, what was it, you know, were these like serious conversations at night with your wife? Like, I, I think we should do this. I think, you know, what is, you know, what is you know, it like? We, it's interesting because I think both of our lifestyle, we had traveled so much, kind of lived a very unusual, um, a, unusual upbringing, but certainly in our young adult life, like we were, 
you know, we, we would just be like, hey, you want to move to Ghana? And like, so we had a sort of an adventurous spirit that, okay. that I think- I can see that. I think yeah. maybe dulled some of the reality of like how painful starting a business could be. Okay. Um, and so I got a job at a hotel and I worked there for a little less than two years while we were trying to start the, yeah. the coffee shop. Yeah. And uh, my wife was finishing up her school to get an um, occupational therapy degree or assistant degree. Um, but we were, you know, pinching every penny and it was like, we went into it not knowing how to run a business. Sure. You know, it's one of those things like you learn as you go. Yeah. And there were definitely points over that first year where, you know, I would, be, I would just be sitting there thinking, all right, we are losing too much money. We don't have the money to lose, right? Yeah. You know, credit yeah. card debt's racking up. Yep. And I remember one night in particular, I came home, was exhausted, and I was like, Miracle, this, this place is it's not going to work. And she was like, let's wait till, till the fall. And we'll give it, you know, that, it was late, late summer. She was like, let's wait till autumn, and we'll, we'll see. We'll make a decision there. And best thing that ever happened to us. Wow. Decided to, you know, keep going. And, you know, I was working my full-time job. Then I'd come work the shop. I had one other guy that was working with me, Brad Benson. Um, and it was so slow. I mean, but it was also so exciting because I was just discovering coffee. I found out how much I loved it. Um, I remember, I tell this story, it's funny because I was working at my hotel job and Brad would text me when we sold a drink. He'd be like, I sold a latte. And I would be just like, yes, yes. Um, I love that. And we started, I people started that. finding us. I mean, it was a funky little space. The whole shop was probably about this big. Okay. Little poured concrete countertop, um, manual Italian Lamazoco espresso machine. And we were doing pour over coffee, which just wasn't a thing here in Charlotte at okay. the time. Um, and just, yeah, really fell in love with it, geeked out on it using local milk, uh, making all our syrups. And I just wow. like, I was like, this is, this is incredible. So that energy, the newness of it really kept, you know, kept us going. And I was in my 20s too, so a little, uh, little more energy than I have now. Um, but then we got the opportunity to move into the 7th Street Public Market in okay. Uptown. So it was yep. a new concept that uh, Center City Partners and, and, um, and the team was putting together. Okay. And as soon as I walked in, sort of saw the blank slate, it used to be Reed's Fine Foods mm -hmm. back in the day. And, um, Christy, who was kind of organizing the project at the time, told me their vision and like immediately, in like 30 seconds in my mind, I was like, all right, we're this moving in here, this is it, I'm quitting my job at the hotel and we're gonna do this, like really try to do this. Like second location or move the first one? No, there? we were gonna move the first one. Okay. Yep. So that was, we opened at Area 15 in February of 2011 and then I think it was October of 2011 that we closed at Area 15 and there was about a month gap before we moved into 7th Street. And then I was like, I'm gonna, in order to make this work, I have to be here every day, open to close. So I did the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. thing, seven days a week. You know, well, really it was like 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. But um, and we had three, you know, three little kids or two little two little boys, and our daughter was, I guess, around 15 at the time. And man, it was. I mean, it was a commitment because sure. to see the kids, Miracle would bring them up to the shop because yeah. um, I was up before they were up, and then I was back home after they'd gone to sleep. Um, and it was. So hard, but also I think that in, that it was invigorating, seeing people's response and tasting the coffee and just realizing, okay, we're doing something, yeah. we're doing something different here, and we're doing something that I loved and people were responding to. Um, not that. everyone. Yeah. Um, I remember this one time I was doing pour over coffee, which are you familiar with that, where you're like manually brewing a cup yep. of coffee? Okay. Yeah. There was this guy who he would walk by the glass windows every day, um, coming off the light rail, and then one day he came in to get a coffee, and I, and I poured him a. a, a a pour over and he tasted it. he was like this is delicious but this is this is never going to work he was like it's, it takes way too long you can't your business is going to fold he was so like just direct and rude and i was just like devastated standing there after he had left yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah and which 
um, did not happen, but it ended up translating to us getting brewers because in the beginning, um, we would do everything manual, manual pour. So wow. if you came in, you could not get a cup of coffee that was ready to go. Because I was, I was very much like, we're going to do this. The, yeah. We're going to do this the artisanal way, and you know, to, to an extreme, you get kind of like caught up in that sometimes. But um, no, it was it was a beautiful thing, and to see that business grow and start to hit the volume we needed. Um, but did you was the new location called Not Just Coffee, or was it the same? Okay. Yep, Not Just Coffee. So that's what my wife and I grew that brand. Um, I think we opened our third. Second location in 2013, down in South End, okay. Atherton. Okay. And that was before South End was really a thing. So yep. it was, you know, we bootstrapped that location as well. Um, friend of mine built the bar um, from wood that another friend donated. Like it was just like, wow. it, it was, it was a really, 2011 to 2013 was an interesting time in Charlotte for that emerging small business. I know a lot of people started their businesses. I think kind of that post recession. Yep. Um, a lot of people were either had a career that kind of, changed course or they lost their job. Um, and so it was this kind of interesting time in new ideas and Charlotte was still quite affordable in terms of you know commercial space and stuff compared sure. to what it is now. Question, from that February, the Area 51, to second location, Atherton, mm -hmm. those first couple of years, what yep. are some big takeaways? Like what are some big things that I mean, cause, I mean, not starting a business ever and now starting your first and then having yep. a new look. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, business licenses and leases yep. and you're having conversation. You're having conversations that are new to you, too. Absolutely. So I never it, looked at a commercial lease before. Exactly. Know? So, I mean, pe people don't know. I mean, yep. you know, this stuff isn't taught in school yep. about, you know, understanding and negotiating and trying to get a good, yep. you know, how to get fixed costs down as low as possible. Yep. And bootstrapping i mean yep. uh i mean my cousin and i even to this day all the de i mean we have uh, i think six people in our office and all the desks are desks from my dad's old restaurants wow. like we have not bought That's a new a desk yeah wow. i mean it's just 15 yeah. years we can afford it sure but we're still just kind of like you know i mean i'm sure we're gonna buy some you know sure. at some yeah. point no, but, it, but I it's love, just I love that. My, my 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 point is is that you know i think that mentality of hey you know, we can get this, you know, uh, desk or yeah. this, you know, countertop donated and fixed by a friend. You know right. what I'm saying? Can you do it mm -hmm. for us? Do you mind? You know, right? Like, yeah, I traded a lot of coffee over those. Those. Uh, there you go. Those there first, you go. Yeah. first couple of years. So, what, um, what what are some big takeaways those first couple of years? That you, like looking back now, that you learned that maybe people just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you hit it on the head when you said that there aren't a lot of resources. I mean, today there are a lot more. There um, is true, but. Everything from like, I mean, you don't have to have a business license in Charlotte anymore or one of those, you know, things that go up on the wall. But at the time, like even that, how to pay your sales taxes, you know, with those little slips. And um, I would say the biggest takeaway for me was get an accountant early because I'm not, my wife is much more of the numbers person, but she was busy with the kids and, and you know, working on her own, her own um, um, thing with getting her degree and stuff. Yep. And like by the time I did hire an accountant, it was such a mess. I was just like, you know, cause I'm operating the business. I'm there every day sure. serving the customers. And that's what I'm good at. I think yeah. also, so I think recognizing what you're good at, getting better at the other things, but then pulling in people to help you where, where you know, your weaknesses are, is, makes all the difference in the world. And I remember when I finally hired some people, cause for so long you're pushing it off. You're like, I can't afford to hire anyone. I can't afford to hire anyone. I can do it all myself. And then you just beat yourself up, right? You're exhausted. And I remember when I, uh, this one woman that I hired, um, 
she started making the schedule. She took the schedule for me, and I remember she, she asked me one day, she was like, do you want the weekend off? And it had never clicked that I could have the weekend off. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, yeah, but I don't think I can. She's like, no, you can't, just take the weekend off. So I remember I walked up to, um, gosh, what's the restaurant at the Dunhill Hotel? I forgot what it was called at the time. Um, um, hold on. It was that like the original yeah. farm to four. Yes, kinda, yes, you know. I, know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, so I, uh, Cassie maybe was the chef owner, I can't remember, but, um, and I had a Bellini out on the sidewalk, and I was like, oh my God, I'm here, the business is running, I got good people there, yes. and it felt, it felt so incredible, and I was with the, with, the, with the family, and I think some of my siblings were in town. Um, but I think, don't underestimate how hard you're gonna have to work for it. Um, I agree. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to bust ass, right? Um, but like, like any business success story is a combination of you know, a good idea, working really hard, but then there's so much out of your control. There's so much luck that comes into play. There's so many, just the right conversation, meeting the right person. And, you know, anyone who says they're completely self-made is, is just not true. I mean, there's so many people, I think, that go into any success story. Yeah. Um, and so getting the right people on your team, you know, getting the support of the community really rallied around what we were doing. Um, it gave us a sense of purpose, what we were contributing. And um, it was... Yeah, it was a neat. It was a neat thing to see this kind of excitement that built around um, what we started. I and, love that. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really really hard. But it was I a lot um, of fun. I I have I like want to double down on what you said. Just stay in your strengths. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I'm not a numbers guy. Yeah. I'm not a detail guy. And so I remember, luckily, we had my dad's CPA do all of our bookkeeping and our you know, financials, right. everything. I would, you know, they would tell me what was owed. I would go write shit, you know, cause so, so then I could focus on the sales. Yep. Cause that's what we needed. Mm -hmm. We needed revenue to buy more volume, right. to get costs down. I mean, everything to hire somebody yep. to buy a new van or whatever it was. And so, um, and that's I, what you I, were good at. I, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like that, that was my strength. Right. And so it just, it's just interesting how like, you know, what can you kind of have other people do so you can focus on what you're good at. So I think building the right team is yep, I definitely it's essential. And, and over time, I mean, we've been in business now for, gosh, um, 13, 13 years. Over time, you see those you know, people come and go, yep. um, but each person has kind of been, been with us over the time has played such a pivotal role sure. in kind of taking us to the next level or helping us learn something new. And I, I love absorbing, um, you know, I've, obviously I have a lot of opinions in the way that I think things should go in the business. And, and, um, but I really think listening to others, getting their thoughts on it, and it helps build, the collaboration is essential, right, to kind of moving the business forward. Love it. Because it's easy to get in your own way as a, as a business owner to where you think like, you know, okay, I, I get the final say, yes, but um, is, my, is, is my opinion the best one? And, yeah. and, and having the humility and the loss, you know, sometimes you gotta let the ego go and just be like, yeah, this person's got a better idea than I do. So. Yeah, no, you're right. I think it's a good word you said, have, having the humility, yeah. you know, and just, you know, again, perspective, and you won't know everything. Mm -hmm. And other people do have, you know, good ideas. And, you know, so I love that. Now, question, anything that you learned going from one location to two? Anything, uh, you know, if when, when people have a business and they, they want to start scaling, whether yep. it's a detail shop or a roofing company hiring a second or third crew, any, is yep. there anything that you learned in, in that transition? I, I definitely, like where we are now compared to, to then in terms of like the proper structures, the proper protocols, writing stuff down, documenting it. Um, I mean, for me, having two locations, I felt like I was working twice as hard yeah. because I was, you know, kind of running back and forth trying to manage both. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, putting, putting people in the positions to, to, to manage um, made all the difference in the world. Okay. 
I mean, I remember, I mean, we weren't a big team. We were only like eight, maybe eight or 10 of us yeah. between the two locations. Um, but it, it definitely is challenging because you're, you're suddenly, my focus is split in two different directions. Exactly. If I'm trying to cover both, um, you know, myself. Uh, so getting, getting those other people, and it was short, shortly after that where we opened our third location, and then that kind of really changed stuff. Um, and we had a couple of women that worked for us that were awesome, started you know, doing all our training, even took the interviews over from me, which was something I never thought I would let go of. Like I was, gonna, my, I was like, I'm going to interview every person that ever works for this business. Yeah. And you know, I, haven't, I haven't done a, a hiring interview in a long time. Um, but, but yeah, it was one of those things, kind of getting out of my own way in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is you know, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, traditional business owners like control. Yep. They, they, we can do it better than anybody, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And so scaling a business and now not being able to be in two locations is such a difficult yep. thing. Like, and so the, I guess that's why I ask just, you know, how can people unlock that and just understand that, okay, you can't be there. Right. You have yep. to have standard operating procedures. Yep. You do have to have, you know, um, yeah, I mean, getting those processes. And so exactly. I, I guess the, the, that's why I was asking, yep. you know. Getting those processes and then also, um, being willing to trust your team. Yeah. You have to trust your team. If you yeah. don't, you're going to be going crazy trying to micromanage. You're going to be, and then, you know, now we're at, you know, six, not just coffee locations. And, um, and then we have the new partnership with undercurrent and the Hubers. Um, and that's a lot of cafes and having, having a team that can manage it for us and us trusting that team that they're going to do the job is, is essential. Love it. Cause Love it. otherwise you'll be, you'll be just going crazy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, and then you start to get, resent things and you start to resent the business and you start to resent your, you know, whatever, like, you know, your job. And, and it's, it's just not, it's not a healthy, good place. To no, be. it's not. And, and I, I agree. And I think the moment you can get to that spot, the sooner you can get to that spot, the more, you know, and you know what, no one's going to do it exactly like you are. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. Exactly. That's fine. Yep. You know, and, and that's, yeah, that's been a big lesson is learning. Cause I have such a specific vision of how I want things to be, but then realizing that I can't, implementing every one of those details, this is not feasible. Yeah. So it's like, trust the team and they can make decisions maybe a little different than I would make them, but they're making the decisions and they're running it. Yeah. So let them, let them go. Love let it. Them, okay. Let them do it. Store three open when? How? how? There was 2016. Um, and that was our first like real full from scratch build out because it was a, a blank slate. We gutted. That was at Packard Place on Church Street. Okay. Downtown. What was that like? Like um, building like that, that, that whole thing. It was a whole new process, um, you know, working through all the architectural plans, working with a contractor, went way over budget. Uh, my brother, Matt, um, actually helped invest in that location, and that's kind of what enabled us to do it. Um, but it was awesome to see like a standalone brick and mortar location, and it was, it was so exciting. Um, and then getting, you know, getting to three locations, it really felt like felt like a big shift from two to three. Okay. Um, and I feel like that was sort of an inflection point. Um, four, then we opened our fourth location, was Dilworth, and then yeah, Jay was, oh no, and then Tabor was five, and J Street was six. And I think once at four and five, it was like, there's, there's these interesting inflection points of sort of scale where you lose a little, like, you lose a little control in a way, Okay. Um, but that's where um, I think even more so goes into where like you have to trust your team, your management, and um, that they'll handle it. Um, but but it's still tough, you know. It's um, especially when you're still operating in a very hands-on way, and you're trying to you know you get a call about a leaky ice maker, or the point of sale went down, or someone didn't order. Yeah. And if you're in those weeds, it's so hard to get out of it and see the big picture. And I was kind of stuck there for a little bit. Um, 
and you kind of you start to lose the vision of where you're taking the business because you're so caught in the minutia of the day to day. Yeah. You can't how how did you get unstuck from that? How how do you get out of because because that, that that happens a lot. Small yep. business owners, two, three, four. I see it. Four or five restaurants. Yep. You know, you've got buying power now. You've got leverage mm -hmm. things, but you you're still scrambling. You feel like, and you're never catching. Yep. How how do you get unstuck from that? So, um, so to kind of take the story full circle, in 2019, um, we started like pretty official conversations with my good friend Todd Huber, who owns Undercurrent Coffee. They have two okay. locations, one in Plaza Midwood and one in um, Optimus Hall. Okay. And um, so we, my wife and I started the conversation about merging our businesses. You know, okay. we, we saw that we had a, I was telling you this earlier, we had a similar, you know, growth plan. Um, we had a similar if not identical product we were using different roasters at the time and we were getting all the same calls from the same realtors that wanted coffee shops and as we as we got to be good friends we we realized like all right well we could do this separately as competition um or we could collaborate and start something new and my wife had been talking about roasting for a long time she was very passionate about the idea of starting a roasting business and um todd comes from a finance background um so very organized very um you know numbers driven yeah and um and had a beautiful business himself and so when we sat down originally, we were like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, do, do all the locations become not just coffee or do all become undercurrent coffee? Like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it, it kind of hit me that there was only going to be room for resentment down the road if, if that was the case. I was mm -hmm. like, I never want to get to a position where I'm like, damn, I wish I had not given up my brand and I didn't want Todd and Aaron to have, yeah. to, to, have to experience that. So I said, it's a good point. So my, actually. Yeah. My suggestion was let's start something new because that way we're starting together. We have the excitement of building something new. Um, and I love the startup phase. So like, that's my favorite, favorite part. I like, I like the startup phase. I like getting a new location open. And um, that, was a, that was an incredible process. And we, let's see, we started in 2020, end of 2019, and then into 2020 is when we really um, kind of took off with the branding. We opened the first cafe um, in Oakhurst, the Night Swim Coffee. Might've been end of 2020, but I'm, no, end of 21. And then we've opened five locations in a very short amount of time. So wow. that was a whole a whole other lesson of like biting off more. No, it wasn't more than we could chew, but it was the most I could chew. Okay. And we opened in the span of about a year and a half. We opened five cafes as well as the roasting business. What's that like? And like it was manic. Expanding that quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, is that you glad you did it? What did you learn? Like from yeah. that experience, what are you know what are some takeaways from yep. that? Um, I would say. We kind of needed to hit that critical mass. We were bringing a new brand. Um, we had a roastery that needed to supply, you know, our footprint of coffee shops, and we were also going for like wholesale and stuff like that. Okay. Um, let, let's see. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that again. Like since then, we've talked about like we we either to to grow that amount of um, business in such a short period of time, it's we would either need to restructure kind of how we're doing it. Okay. But it's one thing if you're if that's all you're focusing on versus we were still pretty in the weeds of of operating, you know. And so it was a lot. Um, we've got three more locations we're currently working on now, but it feels a lot more measured. The pace is a lot better. Nice. And um, we were able to bring on some really great senior people now that handle all the operations. So all the shop managers report directly to the, to the management team. Um, we have a, a coffee director, a director of coffee at Nightsome Coffee that he um, you know, sources all the green, roasts, he leads the roasting team. So we've really got great people in place to run the business. That's awesome. And that helps us as owners to be able to look for where are growth opportunities, what are new locations, what's our strategy. Because um, I, I firmly believe if you're caught in the weeds of operating, you can't, it's, it's so hard to get out and see the big picture strategy. Right? I agree. So. I agree. Um, what was it like 
um, having a partner. Because now you're going from, obviously your partner, your wife, but yep. having another, I mean, yeah. you know, are, you know, um, you know that, that happens a lot of times. You know, I hear how many times people say, don't get in business with your family. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's certain things that people yep. say, you know, um, always have a 50, you know, 51, 49, you know, because yep. you know, someone's got to be the last say. What, what are just some things about compromise, conversations, mm-hmm. maturity? Um, can you speak on that a yeah. little bit? Like, what, what, what's that like? Yeah, so I think being, you know, being really good friends with the Hubers. Um, yeah, it's funny. One of those things, don't get in business with your friends, too. I think I've heard that one as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we complement each other. Our skill sets, our weaknesses, I think um, it, it's, a, it's a great partnership. It has had its hard moments. You know, we've had conflict. There have been times where we've, you know, been upset with each other or we haven't liked the other decision, uh, the other person's decision. Um, ultimately, I think being able to compromise and communicating because the second you, and, and I'm guilty of this too, but the second you stop communicating about something and then it just like starts eating at you and then you start, you know, getting, you know, you're in your head about it. Sure. Um, it, communicating, it just like instantly seems to solve those mm. issues. So I think communicating really closely with your partners, um, being willing to compromise, just being able to listen too. I, I, um, I follow this podcast called The Daily Stoic um, by Ryan Holiday, and he talks in there about you don't always need to have an opinion. And I've kind of like take, taken that away because I'm a pretty opinionated person. I think most business owners are. Sure. But I'm like, all right, well, I don't really need to have an opinion right now because let me just let me just listen and, you know, mull it, mull it over, meditate on it. Um, it. And I don't need to be rapid fire with, with my thoughts all the time. You know, there's a time and a place for that. But I think yeah. sometimes just like backing off, sleeping on it. Um, I agree makes, on that. Makes a big difference. I agree on that. I think taking, you know, uh, get, getting a good, I mean, I think not making a decision when you're emotional or stressed, yep. you know, sleep on it, think about it again, you know, um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of value to that. I think, you know, especially me being an extrovert, I think just listening sometimes mm-hmm. and just not immediately giving my thoughts right. or my two cents. And it's like, okay, you know what? Like, why, why is he thinking like that? Right. Where, where is he coming from? Like yep. really just kind of having a little perspective on it, yep. um, having a little insight, I, I think is very valuable. So um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, my dad, you know, they've had, up, they've had seven restaurants, they've had right. partnerships That's that have incredible. gone great, they've had partners that haven't gone. And so I try to learn, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, so then, you know, we don't make the mistake. And so I guess that, that's why I ask, you know, cause yeah. they're just, you know, whether it's a relationship personal relationship, whether it's a business relationship, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good point to just over-communicate. Yeah, yeah, you, know? you, can't, you can't go wrong if, you're, um, if it's really a two-way street of communication and you're, and you're listening to the other person and you're you know, expressing your thoughts honestly. Um, you know, we've had, we've been working on this for a little over three years together and you know, we've, had, we've had issues with um, you know, team members. We've had team mem- members having issues with ownership and it's, you know, there's, there's always that kind of push and pull of, of managing a team and running a business. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been easy, but the overall forward movement and um, the relationship and kind of the vision is is really rock solid. And I don't think I don't think anyone expected it to be like just a, a walk in the park. Well, that's um, good. But I'm I'm really proud of where yeah. we've gotten, and I'm proud of the team, and I'm um, yeah really happy with the partnership. I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, five and then th- and then three more in the loop. I mean, yeah. that that's an impressive feat, to be quite honest with you. Because um, there's a lot of moving parts. Yep. You know, I think the other thing that that you know um, you said kind of you know briefly, but I think having somebody that complements your skill set. Mm-hmm. I think you know don't look for somebody that always agrees with you. Don't yep. look for somebody you know when when getting in partnership, 
you know, find somebody that's not good at what you're right. doing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's no, you know, if you agree on every single thing, yep. one of you is not needed. Yep. Yeah, and, you're redundant. It, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think having that kind of dichotomy, I think, is a great thing. Right. And so I think, um, obviously, it just kind of happened. You guys were friends, mm-hmm. and you, you had a different skill set than you. And yeah. so I think um, it's fantastic. So what, what's the vision for Night Swim? I mean, what? obviously, you have more locations. Yep. Obviously, you have a roastery now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the future, the roastery, you know, sure. the coffee. I don't know. You know, give us some context as far yeah, as that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, our, our, our vision is to keep growing the cafes, right? Okay. Um, but we also kind of gave ourselves the um, the flexibility to say, okay, if we're if we you know get to 15, 20 cafes, and we say, okay, that's enough. That's all we want to manage right now. Yeah. Well, we can stop. We're not we're not obligated to keep growing the cafe footprint. Sure. Um, our you know primary goal is growing the roastery. Okay. Um, we want to get you know more direct to consumer, get in grocery, get on um, uh, you know get in wholesale accounts at other coffee shops, restaurants, stuff like that. So our goal is to be a national brand. Nice. Um, you know we designed our branding and um, and the name to really be sort of a scalable. Um, our bags look great on the shelf. Um, we worked with Matt Stevens, who is one of the best designers. He's here in town. Okay. Um, one of the best designers I've ever worked with. And uh, just, yeah, fantastic guy. And um, so, yeah, really scaling nationally is, is, our, is our goal. That's awesome. Um, it's been cool to see. You know, we've got shops as far away as like Vancouver and, um, wow. and uh, you know, out in California that have, have carried our coffee. And that's a pretty... That's a pretty awesome feeling, you know. It to is. see a photo of our bags on the shelf up in Vancouver is is really cool. What? How did how did the name Nightstream come about? I'm just curious now. Yeah, so actually, my business partner was in Durham, um, him and his wife, and um, we had Miracle and I and Todd and Aaron. We had sat around, um, you know, we just had lists of names. You just vomiting everything you can think of onto a paper, right? And then yeah. if you if you find one you like, you're like, oh, this is uh, this is awesome, and you Google it, and it's already taken, right? Yes. So we wanted one that was completely clean, was not there was no shop, no roastery, nothing coffee related associated with it. Okay. So we could have you know the the, the trademarks the rights, and the yeah. rights to it. Yeah. And uh, Todd and Aaron were out in Durham, and and he texted me. He was like, "What about Night Swim? Night Swim Coffee?" And he had seen like a band poster with several bands. It was like a small music festival, and there was uh-huh. something that said Night Swim on it. And like those words just kind of hit him right away. And I didn't see his text when he came in, um, so he just he never followed up for until like two or three weeks later. He was uh-huh. like, "Did you ever get that text I got?" And and then he told me the name Night Swim Coffee, and immediately I liked it like instantly. Really? Yeah, really, really, it really was awesome. Miracle and I both both loved it, and it, it was unusual. It felt like it was um, it was a little unexpected for a coffee brand. It wasn't yeah. related to coffee, yeah. and I liked that. We didn't want to be like on the nose, like, "All right, you know, we're we're coffee," like you know. It's, sure, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's, that's that's kind of the, the given, um, but it invokes feelings of like nostalgia and fun and excitement and uh, yeah, everyone. I think most people like nice night swim. Yeah, I like um, it. No, yeah, I, no, I, I, it. I was just curious, yeah. like how how did that even you know how does night you know? So I, I guess I, I don't know if that mm-hmm. was something that. No, it's funny. Some people were like, oh, that doesn't make sense for a coffee shop because you don't drink coffee at night. And I'm like, that's. We don't need to be that like on the nose. It's like you know, it's 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 invoking a feeling. That's that's awesome. Yeah, okay, so I liked it. So um, let's talk a little about the, the roastery, the coffee. You know, uh, for people that don't know much about coffee, t- t- yeah. tell us a little bit about the coffee, the the origins. You know, some some of that sure. stuff. Yeah. So um, our director of coffee, Evan Wood, he is responsible. He you know he works directly with us um, to source green. We use um, several different importers. Okay. Um, you know, people talk a lot about like direct direct relationships with farms and sourcing directly from farms. Um, 
we have these importers that kind of do that sure. for us, right? And sometimes sourcing directly from a farm is kind of a romantic notion, but if you can work with a really good um, importer um, that is that is already maintaining those relationships, that has a long sure. long-standing relationship with those farmers, you know, we get to, they kind of they manage that partnership, and we get to you know benefit from you know the, the relationship with them. So yep. we source the source the green coffee, um, and if you've never seen green coffee, it looks like a almost like a lentil or something. It's like really hard. Okay. And um, then you throw them in the roaster. You basically are just toasting the coffee beans, and uh, they come out delicious and and um, and smelling great. But you know, sourcing good good green is key. And then knowing what you're doing on the roastery side. And I am not a roaster, but fortunately, I have a team that does an incredible job. And we use these luring luring roasters out of California, and they're nice. they're phenomenal. Um, so yeah, if you uh, ever want to come check out our roastery, it's at 4500 Old Pineville. But it's cool. We have a okay. beautiful cafe there, and you can look through the glass and uh, see the roasting process. Okay. Um, so we have a 15 kilo luring, and then we just purchased a 35 kilo as well. So we'll have the two side by side and running simultaneously. That's awesome. Um, and then we also use an optical color sorter by this company, Sovda, based out of Belgium. Um, and it's the same type of technology that's been in like the rice and bean industry, I think, for a long time. But okay. it, um, it's, it's wild. It blows my mind every time I think about it. But it uses light to find uh, a variance in the color. So you can set the parameter if you want, like, you know, say, this is your, your, the color that you're, that you're going for. Uh -huh. A few degrees off on either side, lighter or darker, it'll, it uses a jet of air and it'll spit those beans out. So That's we, nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. And these are as the coffee beans are just falling. And it's just a jet of air is just punching them out. Um, and uh, wow. we, I, think we, I think we have about a 1% to 2% um, you know, uh, waste. Okay. But that helps get a much more consistent coffee. Because sometimes you open a bag and you'll see most of the beans are a certain color. And then you'll see these Quakers that are like, you know, way lighter or these like beans that got stuck and are almost, you know, burnt. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And so when you're, when you're, you know, making a small a cup of coffee, that those single beans in there that are off can affect the taste pretty dramatically. Interesting. Um, so we want to get rid of all that, make it a lot more consistent, a lot more delicious. Um, but yeah, so uh, we... I've been to, when we worked with counterculture, I went to Origin, I went to Nicaragua, and my wife went to Honduras um, on, on field trips to, to see the coffee was farms. That like? Just it was like incredible. Seeing like, like seeing, seeing it firsthand on that side, is, it's wild. And it gives you a huge appreciation for all the work and all the passion and all the, the hard, you know, the labor that goes into getting um, good green. And, you know, most farmers are, are not paid much. Um, and so there is this kind of, you know, this overall coffee chain where we're trying to push the boundaries of what we can charge for a cup of coffee on this side so that it benefits the whole supply chain. Because historically, coffee has been looked at as a cheap, you know, cheap kind of commodity um, product. And over the last 15, 20 years, there's been, you know, some really great roasters and companies that are kind of pushing that. Nice. Um, and I think people are used to spending a lot more on a cup of coffee now, but we're still below where we should be and want to be. Um, and people don't really think in terms of that, you know, if you pay $5 for a latte or $6 for a latte, people think, you know, that's expensive. And maybe it sounds expensive, but then you go to the brewery and you pay $8, $9 for a beer um, and you're having two or three of them. Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of reframing how people think about gotcha. it um, as not just, uh, you know, not just coffee. Not, um, <laughs> it's not only a, um, just like a caffeine source. It's also, you know, there's this beautiful story to it and how it gets to the cup. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite coffee? Any favorites mm. or style of coffee? No, I love I love uh, like a medium roast washed Ethiopian coffee. I love Ethiopian. Okay. Um, which is you know where all coffee came from originally. Ethiopia. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Interesting. 
Uh, cool. Uh, as we wrap up, last maybe piece of advice for business owners, for somebody that uh, wants to take their um, career to the next level, you know, just, I mean, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things, I mean, even, you know, in the scale of things, I mean, you know, you've been in business 13 years mm -hmm. now. Um, there's a lot that you've learned in 13 years. Yep. Opening locations, expanding partnerships, team building, uh, processes, um, you know, providing a culture. I mean, like there's so much that, yep. you know, you know, a lot of take, aspects to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there, there, honestly, there is. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 it's 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 kind of never ending. You always yep. have to kind of keep your hand on the plow and know what's happening. Um, you know, any ideas, any thoughts? Someone that's in you know IT, software, right. uh, construction, and they want to, you know, uh, move, well, whether it's on owning their own business or or whether it's growing from within. I think sure. even that. I think being an entrepreneur, working for an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you know, being the right hand man. I mean, I I guarantee you the. Seventh man at Microsoft yeah. does well. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know oh, sure. you know, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. Like so, I don't think you always have to mm -hmm. have your own business. I think you can maybe yeah. help somebody yeah. within an organization. Um, what are some thoughts? What are what are some suggestions? Some mindset? You know, would you recommend? You know, is it networking? Is it continuing to learn? Is it going above and beyond? I mean, what, what are some sure. things that you think? Yeah. You know, even seeing your organization, people that have moved up. Yep. Or seeing friends of yours that are business owners that have done well, and you're like, you know what? That's interesting. Yeah. I can tell these couples, you know, traits. Mm -hmm. that, like, I know why this guy's doing well. Right. Anything that, that yeah, no, that's, comes to uh, mind? that's a great question. And and just to yeah to um, piggyback off what you just said, being an entrepreneur and starting your business is not for everybody. You know, it's um, it's hard, and and um, you know, it's it's got it's it's very rewarding, um, but you know. Yeah, it's it's not it's not for everyone, and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it if it's not if it's not for you. You know, um, you can have just as much satisfaction and enjoy working, 100%. you know, working in a, in another field or, or doing something where you're support where you're supporting, um, you know, a business um, that's growing. Um, but I think one thing I've learned or I've seen change in me over time is um, is pulling back a little bit and uh, making sure that I'm taking time to do things other than my business. Mm. Because I feel like there was this pretty big chunk of time where I didn't ever not think about the business. Like, first thing from when I woke up, last thing I thought of before going to bed, wake up at two in the morning, thinking about it. Shit, I gotta send an email. Um, and, and that momentum and that energy, I think is really important in that startup phase where you're just, you're all in. Um, and as I've, you know, as I've grown as a business owner and, and our team has grown, I think being able to shut it off every once in a while is really important because it's not sustainable for the long term if you right. never, if you never have other things to think it's about. Not healthy. I mean, no, it's not healthy. You know, developing other interests outside of outside of your business, it can help you be a much better operator and a business owner because it just it activates like the creative part of your I brain agree. or just the social part of that 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 you miss out on. Um, and then a network of people, you know, like building relationships, getting people in your corner that you can bounce ideas off of, you know, go have coffee with someone and, um, you know, just hang out. Like, I, I really think those relationships help. Um, yeah, if, if, they're, I, if they're positive relationships, really help, help you as a business owner. I love that. I mean, I think probably the one thing, James, that I learned graduating college and getting into the business world that college did not teach me that I learned from just successful people is just the power of networking. Yep. 
just the power. I think even, even I mean, selfishly, I think even that's why I really enjoy this. Yeah. Like yeah, just it's great. meeting people, talking, your story, just, yeah, like, I, I think there's a lot of value to that, yep. you know, that, you know, under, having people, having somebody in your corner from, you know, a, a financial advisor, somebody in yep. insurance, a couple of attorneys, um, doesn't matter. Just yeah. who, who do you, how many people yep. know you, who do you know? And, yep. you know, you know, buy them a cup of coffee, talk yeah. to them, pick in their brain. Yeah. Um, Surround yourself with good people and, you know, and it's, it's reciprocal. You know, I've gotten so much help and advice from people that are friends and I've given advice and given help. And I think, you know, you build that community and you build that network. And um, it, my, my wife and I talk about it, like we're so fortunate to have the relationships, like really meaningful relationships in our life now that have come through the business. Um, all my best friends are... You know, our um, our community has yep. really come from this, and it's it's a it's an awesome thing. Yeah, and I also have to agree on the just, you know, just mentally taking a break. Yep. You know, going away for two three days, yep. going on vacation for a week, coming back. You're so much more energized, yep. and your it's your huge. mind is so much more clear. Yep. On you know what? Okay, cool. It's 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 like hitting the reset on a game or yep. something. Right. It's like you're just refreshed. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it's like I when your computer starts slowing down and you just got to restart it. That's it. Yeah, it's right? hundred yeah. the same thing. The same thing. And also I find like travel has been such a big part of our inspiration for our business. And that's why maintaining it, it just, it invigorates me. You get to see things outside of, you know, what's existing in your city, whether it's a different city in the States or a different country. Um, I pull so much inspiration from my travel for the business. Love it. Love whether it. it's, whether it's ideas for the space, ideas for the menu or just, um, yeah, or just extra energy. Yeah. No, I agree. So, yeah. Love, yeah, it. love it. Love it. Awesome, James, man. thank you so much. Yeah, was, Appreciate it. Great. Hey, guys, awesome episode. Uh, James with Not Just Coffee and Night Swim. Uh, what a brand. If you guys have not uh, followed their social media, if you have not supported their, their business, um, how can you not, you know, turn a corner and not see one of his brands? <laughs> uh, no, uh, truly, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, w what a successful collaboration you guys have had. And, and uh, listen, I wish you guys nothing but the best. Thank you. know, you. in your continued success. And so... If you guys have not subscribed, do it on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, we're there. And uh, have an awesome, awesome uh, rest of your day. And we'll see you in the next episode. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.